doing a, a kind of a new thing, talking about placement. And I, I just got to say, this has been, for me personally, over the last two months, what God has been giving me is so transforming me. And uh, how many of y'all know that, and, and let's be honest, our number one battle is our mind. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, and some of us have, some of us still have an old mind mentality, and I'm not just talking about old religious mind mentality. Some of us have an old sinning mind, old dead guy mentality that we're still living with. And so my, my greatest question since I got saved at 23 was, Lord, help me deal with this stinking mind, this stinking thinking, because it, it, it's just messing me up. And, you know, you get to a place you start feeling kind of good about yourself spiritually, and then all of a sudden, you, you know, you start having these terrible thoughts. You're like, what the heck am I having these thoughts about? And they can show up like that. And so I really feel like for me, the Lord's given me a revelation over the last couple of months of how to totally renew my mind. Take my thoughts captive. You guys look really excited about it. I can tell you something. You guys are pretty thrilled. So um, he's been talking. So we're, we're, we're talking about placement. When I originally put this down in my journal and in my notes, I was calling the whole series The Power of Misplacement. Because the Lord was dealing with me about how I had so many things in my life that were misplaced. They didn't have their proper placement. Now, now the definition of misplaced means to put in a wrong or inappropriate place. Or to set our sight on a wrong object. See, your, your eye gate, your ear gate, and your mouth gate are the three triune truths to the power of your identity in Christ. They are a triune factor. And uh, the number three rent represents divine divinity. It's the fullness of the Godhead. Anytime God lays out something for us, and I know some of you don't like numbers or you're not numbers, but anytime God gives us something in a three manifest or manifold concept, here's what he's saying. The truth you're about to get is a truth concerning the fullness of who you are. It's not just a nugget. It's the bank. He's given you the whole bank. And so when I got saved, I was 23, I was a coke addict, got saved, got delivered, and went through six years of hell with DTs and all kinds of stuff. And, and, it, and it's been a battle ever since in, in the mind. I just, I should be honest with you. I, I don't crave, I don't crave drugs. I don't, you know, go buy a crack house and go, oh, I wish I could go in there for a couple of minutes. You know, I crave cigarettes. No, I don't crave cigarettes either. But there are things that we face in the mind that we have to take our, our, our thoughts captive and here's the thing. If you don't take your thoughts captive, they're going to take you captive. It's just the way it works. It's the way it works. So our mind is the battleground. You ready for revelation? Not the devil. He's already defeated. Can you say amen? That's a good place to say it. So uh, misplaced, to be put in the wrong or appropriate place, to set on the wrong object, it's when we've, we, we've used stuff and it raises a particular emotion or mental or physical attraction that we have to something that messes us up, creates a feeling, which eventually moves into an action. And a lot of us, you know, I hate to say it, but this is probably most of our ongoing struggles. Some of us are not living in what we used to live. We're not running out and stealing. We're not running out and selling drugs. We're not drinking like crazy. We're not, we're not doing the stuff we used to do back in the day. But it's amazing that we can be in the body for so long. Here's a question. What if right, right where you're at right now, with the level of truth that you have right now, you only have the spiritual brain of a 10-year-old? 
Sometimes I feel like that. I feel like when I've been in this thing, you know, 40 years now serving the Lord, like you would think I have the brain, you know. I know I got the body of a 60-year-old, but, but I would love to have the brain at least of a 40-year-old. And so sometimes we don't realize the concept of spiritual growth. And because we miss the revelation of how to grow, which is inward always first. The, the, the inward transformation of your mind, your heart. Let me just say this. Another tri triune factor truth about renewing your mind is the spirit, the mind, and the heart are all connected. Actually, the word in the Greek for heart is kardia, which means your minds, your thoughts, and your emotions. And so they are connected. They are a triune thing. And when you came to Jesus, what happened was the spirit of God in you was brought to life again. You are living according to the spirit of the world, the spirit of the flesh. And now what's happened is your spirit man has been awakened. The Holy Spirit's come in to dwell in you. The fullness of God's come in to dwell in you. And now you have this new spirit man. And what happens is when we don't put him in proper placement, it's going to be very hard for us to walk in our identity. And so that's a great thought. But how do we do that? Right? That's the question. And so let's talk a little bit about this. And, and I know, you know, misplacement. I misplace things all the time. And we talked about that. You know, uh, I thought years ago about inventing something I could put on my keys so I could find them and just push it on my phone. Then I realized I'd probably lose my phone. Because if I'm going to lose my keys, chances are I'm going to lose my phone around the same time. You know? And my wife always says, well, I'm going to call it. I said, well, I probably got the volume down. You know, so you think somebody come up with a real thing, a chip or something you could put in your head. No, I'm just joking. But something that would help us, right? So sometimes in the kingdom lifestyle, uh, we don't lose truth. And I don't think we ever lose truth. I think some of you have some knowledge of the word. We all have truth of the word. And some of that truth we're not living in. So it doesn't mean you've lost the truth. It just means it's been misplaced somehow. It's been removed from its significant place. And so when I started this, the statement the Lord made to me, he says, stop. Don't beat yourself up for where you're not or you don't think you should be right now with me. That's what he said to me. Stop putting your focus on works. Stop putting your focus on striving to be in that place. And I love this. He said to me, because you already are. You just got to discover how to walk it out. Everything you need to become a solid believer a follower of Jesus, a disciple, a son, and a daughter of the Most High God, you already have. That is so far. We all go, yeah, yeah, amen. But that is so far from our mindset. Because one of the greatest battles we have in our thinking is we are constantly disqualifying ourselves. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know? I get it as a pastor. Somebody says, I'm really sick. Come pray for me. And the first thought I get, I had a rough week. I don't know if I should be praying for anybody this week. You know, I'm not a God, right? I'm just a man that's serving in an office. So don't think because you have battles with the mind, leadership don't have battles of the mind. We all face this battle. And the key thing is it's just a matter of aligning yourself or positioning yourself with what the mindset of God's word says you should have and the worship that God says you should have and worship. And then what happens is you discover your identity. So, I, you know, I have lots of favorite verses. John, 1 John was one of my favorite verses for a long time, as he is in the world, so are we. 
And about two, a year and a half ago, the Lord really caused me to focus on Acts 17, 28. And this is what he told me. He said, uh, in the coming into the new year, he said, hey, I, I want to talk to you about placement, Jamie. And he said, I, and I, I just want to tell you up front, there are some places in your life where you have misplaced. You've positioned the wrong thing in your mind, in your thought process, your worship, and in your identity. So let's be real. Let's just be raw real. Okay, you ready? You think where we're living right now is the bride, is the fullness of what the bride's meant to look like? In part. Well, let me give you a scripture. Jesus said, greater things than these shall you do. We there yet? It's like the kid in the back seat. That's, that's kind of what my Christian life is, ride, is, is like sometimes. Hey, we there yet? Hey, am I getting closer? We used to drive to Canada. I mean, you're talking, you know, 30-some hours with our kids in the back. It was nonstop. We there yet? We there, especially Noah. Right? So he said, I want you to live in this new placement in 2024 of, of mindset, of worship, and identity. That's the place I want, to live, I want you to live in. So I want to read, I'm going to read Acts, and then they'll put the, the verse 28 up. I'm going to start at verse 25. It's not, it may not be up there. It may be. I don't know. But I'm going to read because it's important. You know, we pick a verse out. We take a verse, and we go, wow, that's powerful. But we miss the before and after context of the verse. So the before context of Acts 28, uh, 17, 28, 25 to 28 is powerful. Watch this, because he's defining life for us. And then he tells us what that life looks like for us. Here's what he says. He supplies life and breath and all, uh, and all things to every living being. He doesn't lack a thing that we mortals could supply for him. For he has all things and everything he needs. From one man, Adam, he made every man and woman and every race of humanity. He spread us all over the earth. He set the boundaries of peoples and nations, determining their appointed times in history. This is what's excited. This is your time in history. You've been appointed for such a time as this. Right now, where, where you're at, this is, this is not, I think I'll go to church tonight. This is an appointed setup by the Holy Spirit for you tonight. Sometimes we think we just go through, I think it'd be a good idea if I do this. Sometimes we are being led by the Spirit, we don't even realize it. So he said, he determines our appointed times. He spread us all over the earth. Now watch this. He sets the boundaries of people and nations, determine their times in history. Now watch this. Here's the purpose for all of it. He has done this so that every person would long for God. They would feel their way to him and find him. For he is the God who is easily discovered. Let me tell you this. One of the greatest mindset attacks on believers today is I can't discover him. That's not me. That's for guys that are super spiritual or have callings on their life. I can't know him like that guy. I can't experience him like that woman. I, I can't have that encounter because I'm just not that. This is one of the greatest attacks. Then he gives us the revelation of what this looks like. This is who I am. This is what I'm about. Notice he doesn't say anything about gifts, ability, talent, wealth, fame, position. He says it's just simply about 28. Verse 28 is simply about your discovery of him. 
My dad used to say when he was alive, when I was young, I first got saved, he said, son, just, you know, protect yourself against religion. He used to say some people get in the church, don't mature, they manure. They never move on. They just get stinkier and stinkier and stinkier in their spirituality and their religious mindset. And so I don't want to be that way. So he tags this with verse 28. It is through him or in him that we live and function, this is triune, we live and function and have our identity. Just as your own poets have said, our lineage, that means he's the founder, he's the forefather, he's the precursor. That's what he is, he's the precursor, he's the substance. That word precursor means a substance or a cell or a cellular component from which another substance cell or cellular component is formed from. When the Bible says this, we were created in his image, it's the very cell of the Trinity. It's the likeness. You probably couldn't preach this stuff 10 years ago. I'm just being honest with you, people wouldn't receive it. I remember when I was in Calhoun, I started to preach the power of the kingdom and I had leadership say, hey, you gotta calm down. That's just too much. It's just too much. It's too heavy. Why? Because you're making it look too easy. Can't be easy, right? New level, new devil, right? Boy, that makes Christianity fun. I'm going after it now. That's like saying, you know, son, you're going to learn to drive a car, but you'll probably have five accidents before you actually get to drive. Yay. I may want to put that on hold till I'm like 50. That's what we do. And so he's given this revelation of he's our lineage. He's our predecessor. That's what he is. He's the person who's previously occupied a position of office to which you and I have succeeded to as heirs and joint heirs and sons and daughters of God. And until we start to get a mental picture and concept of this, that it comes from him, it's already been established. I don't... I can't add nothing to it. I can't tuck, take nothing away from it. The only choice I have is to live in it. How fun is that? I may get a little jitterly, get excited. So I'm sitting right now, but I'm trying to control myself. Think about this. Jesus was called the second Adam. In Romans chapter 5, 12 to 21, read the whole 1 Corinthians 15, 45. And we've overlooked the power of that. The reason that Paul defined him as a second Adam because he wanted us to get this revealed revelation of what a man would look like dwelling and walking with Father God on the planet. He was 100% human, but 100% God, 100% the Holy Spirit. And we talk about Jesus and the Holy Spirit living in us. But Acts says we live in him. It's like I'm a mini-me. Anybody ever see Austin Powers? Right? I like getting one of those harnesses, and I'm just, Jesus is kind of walking around, and I'm sitting in the harness on the ride going, yeah, this is cool. That's what it means. I'm in him. Don't overlook the fact 
first of all, that he's in you, but don't ever overlook the fact that you're in him also. It is in him that you live, that you move. The simplistic call to transforming your mind is getting in him, time with him, time with the Holy Spirit. Listen, what you give most of your time to will form what your thought patterns look like. Right? They will. Placement. To assign something or someone in a position different or higher than another. That's what it means. It is the idea of giving someone or something, listen to this word, it's suitable place. It's suitable place. In other words, here he's saying, you've got to discover what truth you need to put in its suitable place as the priority of your life. Truth is truth. It's all powerful. But the Bible does define identity truth for us. And if, if you're the type of person you read your Bible every day, you should be jotting down inheritance words all the time. Anytime you read a verse and God says to you, this is who you are, you should be writing that verse. I have a whole book full of inheritance verses that when I first got God, I first got saved, God said, this is verses for you. This verse is for you. This verse is for you. They had to do with ministry and all kinds of stuff, which was the last thing I ever thought I'd be doing. I never thought I'd be doing this. I thought I'd be doing something totally different. And the greatest aspect of your walk with the Father is one of placement, one of priority, one of position. It's mentally, it's, it's in worship, and it's in identity. And the Holy Spirit said, I need you to restore me to the suitable place. One day Jesus said, I need you to put me back on the throne. I'm not sitting next to anything. I want the throne. I want the throne. So I had to deal for about two months with misplaced mindset, worship, mentality. And the Lord just kind of simply showed me that I have the ability to arrange things in my life incorrectly. And it doesn't mean they're not important. It's, just, it's not the suitable place. The suitable place that you, you put something in, as far as truth goes, is meant to affect your life, your function, and your identity. And the word suitable actually means proper. It means to be able. It means it's connected to purpose. One translation of this word suitable means the quality or state of being. In him, we live, we move, we have our... Some translations say exist. This is a triune truth. What's that mean? They're equal in value and equal in their transformational power. That means one of them in your life is not enough. You have to pursue them all. But here's the cool thing. I know this sounds like works. It's not works. Listen, when you get married and you're in your love, it's not works. If it's works, get some counseling. You're doing it wrong. Totally wrong. Transformation and the desire for transformation and the hunger for transformation organically begins to happen when we fall into a place of deeper and deeper of love and intimacy.
It, it's it's the, the exposure of who you are. That's why Adam and Eve walked naked through the garden with Jesus. He came and fellowshiped with them every day. There was, there, listen, they never put clothes on until sin showed up. I told my wife I wanted her to practice that verse from now on for me at the house. I'm just joking. I'm really not. But anyway, I just thought I'd tell you I was joking. So I want to talk a little more about misplaced mentality because people are struggling. I don't know. If you're like me, I'm going to be 60 this year. I know it's hard to believe I look 25, but I'm going to be 60 this year. And um, I can't believe the mentality struggles that I'm seeing in the world. We are in the greatest identity, identity crisis we've ever been. And identity theft is the number one crime in the world, especially in the church. Spiritual identity theft is just, it's nuts, right? Remember the song you grew up with singing in Sunday school, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands? They changed the words now. Now it's if you're happy and you know it, it's your meds. I'm serious. We are so jacked up. I read an article the other day. Listen, I read an article the other day where a woman called in sick. She said, I can't come in sick today because I have mood poisoning. That's crazy. I never tried that one. Darlene said, that's a good one. I have mood poisoning. I, I'm sure we could all use that once in a while. So mentality has great power in our life. It's beyond what we could imagine. It's described as the mode or way or thought of or our outlook that we have. It actually gives us the prospect of the future. Your thoughts will, will shape a view in you of from a particular place into another particular place. It creates your focus. It creates your mental power. It's the capacity. It, it creates the capacity for you to move in to legally Define who you are in Christ. To get a picture of what sonship looks like. To have mental fitness and quality or the proper state of mind. And, and, and the reason that God defines in, in Romans that the only way you're going to do this is if you have a renewed mind. The only way to find the perfect full will of God, if you read the Amplified, it says not just for anybody but for you is the transformation of the mind because Jesus, Paul knew, as a Pharisee of Pharisees, the most religious guy on the planet, knew that if he was going to be transformed into who God was calling him to be, there was going to have to be something that happened in here, in here. Your heart actually has feelings. I've read story after story of how how somebody will get a transplant from somebody's heart and they'll start having dreams and having different things happen to them and come to find out it's actually a part of the person that donated the heart. It's unreal how we are created. So our mental capability, our mental power is creative. And it stirs in us our created ability to function the way God says we're supposed to function. 
When John 14, 16, 26, 15, 26, they're all over the, John's all over it. Chapter 16, when he's talking about the purpose of the Holy Spirit coming and guiding you into all truth and showing you things to come, that's 100% about you. He doesn't say, I'm going to send the comforter. He's going to show the church. He said, I'm going to come and I'm going to send the comforter when I'm gone. He is, one translation I read this week, it said this, he is going to be your Jesus. That shocks us. Don't say that. Well, the three are what? He's an individual person, but the three are what? They're, they're one. So think about this. Jesus is leaving. His disciples dwelt with him for three years doing ministry, learning, educating. Now he's going and he says, hey, I'm going to replace myself with somebody. And he's going to guide you into all truth and show you things to come. We've always, my personal opinion, I'm not saying that can't be used for prophetic. I think that whole verse is personal. I think is what he's saying is I'm going to show you some truth and I'm going to show you what that truth looks like for you when you process it and walk in it. And the problem is sometimes we, we stun our own growth because we, we are going after certain things that are not maybe necessarily the most important things. They don't carry the most heavy weight. They, they, they don't carry the greatest transformational power or, or creative aspect to who we're called to be. And so I really feel like we're in this placement season, this awakening. And a big part of that is being, being willing to embrace truth. I grew up from the time I was a kid. I was in a very religious church for many, many years. And, and every, every season of my life, it's like God saying, hey, let me show you something about that you didn't know. Hey, let me expand that truth for you a little bit. And there's been some times when it's really hard to swallow. But I know what I'm talking about. Because it goes against your truth. We all have a truth. Don't mess with this truth. The Holy Spirit has nothing else to show me about this truth. This is my truth. You've just stunted your growth. God isn't doing it. The Holy Spirit doesn't do it. We stun our own growth. And I asked this question last week, and I'll ask it again very kindly. What's your spiritual focus or hunger for 2024? Have you, have you even thought about spiritual goals? Or are you just going to do 24 like you did 23? How'd that work out for you? I mean, it may have been good. A lot of great changes, blessings, increase. But what, what does it really look like? How has it impacted your identity in Christ? Are you after more of Jesus or are you just after more stuff? More gifts? more favor, more ability, more blessing. In the Old Testament, blessing actually became the cursed Israel. And sometimes we do it. And I'm not rebuking you. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to awaken us. Now, this is the journey that I'm in. Your mentality is your intelligence. It's not just about being smart. 
Listen to me. True intelligence is the ability to understand something and how to do life with the truth that you've discovered. You can't say you have a truth if that truth is not reality in your life. You have knowledge of that truth, but it's never become revelation or divine for you. Divine truth is when you get truth and you go, wow, and you start walking and moving in that truth and it begins to transform you. The problem is we are constantly allowing things to coexist. Love everybody. Love everything. Everything, everything can blend. You can absolutely 100% not do your new journey with any part of your old man. He's dead. I grew up in the funeral business. I know what dead is. And it's sad, but many times we just, we're, we're neck, we, we necromance. We go sit at the cemetery and talk to our old guy. Hey, what do you think? How am I doing? Like, hey, I wish you were here so we could, you know, we, we, we have all this stuff that we go through. And when we allow things to coexist that shouldn't be, they're not even a part of anything that we do. When we allow that to happen on our spiritual journey, we stun our own growth or we come to a standstill in a certain truth in our lives. It would be like me saying to you, hey, I have all the truth about healing I'll ever need. And you would say to me, that's amazing. So every person you pray for must be healed. Let me ask you a question. Every person Jesus prayed for, were they healed? They were. But greater things than these shall we do? Some of these pictures I've used puzzles. I've used puzzles, pictures of puzzles, a Rubik Cube. I've used these things that, because the Rubik Cube, listen, remember when the Rubik Cube first came out and you always had that one kid that could just, yeah, and so you wanted to take them somewhere privately, dispose of them somehow? I was like the guy, six months, and then it just threw it in the garbage. <laughs> there was a technique. Come on, now, you all go to Cracker Barrel and pray those stick things where you jump and you get the little triangle out, and you know, you try to follow it until you get frustrated, and then you look it up on your phone and you cheat. <laughs> then you brag about only having one peg left. There is a design to what God does, and it's powerful. But the concept of something coexisting that shouldn't be there? Now, listen to this. Um, Acts 17, 28, one of the original translations says, in him we live, we move, we exist. In him. He does not leave room for any of your old men to coexist. This is a real heavy message. Because you are not of this world anymore. There is nothing the value of this world can give you. Yeah, use it to make your payments on your house. We are in the world, but we are not of it. In other words, our mindset is not the same as this world should be. 
We may be functioning. You're actually placed in your workplace. You're actually placed where you are so that the Jesus in you can come out and affect the people around you. Not just about having money. Not just about having a job. It's not just about having enough stuff. It's about God placing us in this realm. I'm not against any of that stuff. I'm only against it when we think that that somehow can coexist in us and that carries some type of transformational power when the Bible says it's only in him that we live, we move, we exist. I remember when I first got saved, I kind of lived in that for a period. Let me tell you why. Because the condition I was in he was all I really had. If all of a sudden they shut all the hospitals down, I think maybe you'd kind of turn up your volume on your relationship with him a little bit. The market shut down. The dollar collapsed. Banks were calling all their notes. I think we'd have a different hymn focus. I'm just saying that, that I know I would. You think the bank cares about you? The devil don't even care about you. It is only in him. And that has to be broken off of us. Somehow we, we, we think with our old man thinking that there's actually something in this kingdom down here that we can allow to coexist in our life and be successful spiritually. What I have may be the blessings of God, but it doesn't necessarily shape my identity to be some spiritual giant in the kingdom where my mind and my heart are operating in purity. See, the problems when we teach this stuff, immediately, immediately in our mind, we see it as unreachable. Or we attach fear to it. Here's, here's what I grew up in. You want to know what I grew up in? I feel like I got a calling on my life. Ooh. Wow. You are, the devil's coming after you, buddy. You're about to go through some serious trials and tribulations and battles. I was like, okay, Lord, I don't know if I want to do this. I do something else? How about just, I'll be an usher. Surely there's not much warfare. Listen, we, we, we talk, we automatically, when our mind is not renewed and in the right place, we automatically go to the wrong place. And we connect with a lie. And somehow we think that lie and this belief can coexist together and be successful. They both have power and the one you feed the most will grow the most. And the job of the devil, he don't care about killing you. He just wants to disqualify you in your identity. He just wants you to get to a place where you don't see who you are as a son and daughter of God and convince you of the fact that you can't live that out and make an impact wherever you are. The great awakening is not something happening. It drives me crazy when people think the great awakening is this great revival. There is a great revival coming. I believe Bob Jones, there's a billion people harvest coming. There's nothing that can happen in the world to usher that in. There's something that has to happen in the church to usher that in. There's something that has to happen in us. 
There's this thing that happens, and the only way it happens is when we start to engage with the Spirit of God, this comforter, this person that was created for us to guide us into all truth and then show us what that looks like in our life. It has to be embraced. Listen, believing differently, not trying harder, is the key to identity. Thinking different is the key to identity. Solomon gave us the most beautiful scripture, most simplistic. As a man thinketh, so is he. He was just stating a fact. For out of a man's heart flows the wellspring of life. And I'm not sitting at the house crying, going, work on my heart, Lord. Lord, help me with my mind. I'm sitting at the house and go, hey, Holy Spirit, I'm here. I got up early this morning. Speak to me. Transform me. Have you ever read the verse in John where it talks about the purpose of the Holy Spirit? He said, he will come and talk to you about the Father and give testimony to who Jesus is. What do you think that looks like? It's when the Holy Spirit gets with you and goes, hey, this is what your father looks like. This is, what you, this is how he sees you. Now watch this. Remember Jesus? That's what it looks like when it's lived out. I'm giving you the word. Jesus is the prophetic utterance of what that looks like. Do you ever think about this? You know what the first miracle was before Jesus started his ministry? Y'all know it, right? What did he do? Come on. Water and the wine, man. It was a party. Why would that be the first miracle? Because wine represents the spirit. And he was giving us an example of before he even started his ministry, we have to have a wine encounter. There's something, there's a miraculous thing that takes place in us where the spirit gets transformed, gets awakened. We have to give ourselves to that. Especially if we're going to move in the reality. Philippians 2 and 5 says, and consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before, before us. Let his mindset Let me stop. Think about it for a moment. Do you believe that you can actually have Jesus' mindset? Because you can. If you change your thinking about what you think and how you see things, what you think and what you see will change. Just the way it works. The sum of repentance in the Bible. Listen, the definition of repentance, metaneo, you ready? Doesn't mean get on your face and cry. It means have another thought. It doesn't mean ask forgiveness. It simply means, listen, it simply means have another thought. I grew up Pentecostal. I was getting saved every Sunday. I was saved on Sunday, lost on Tuesday. 
and had the belief if something happened to me through the week and I had a bad thought and was on a bicycle and somebody run me over, I was going to hell, do not pass go, do not collect $200. That's what I grew up in. God says, hey, you're already forgiven. I've done that. How about we work on your thought process? Listen, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is not focused on your dead guy. He's dead. He's died. The only person that can believe that is you. He's working on your new guy. We spend so much time working on the mind of the dead guy. Listen, you, there's nothing you can generate in a dead brain. It's impossible. And you are now seated in heavenly places in your spirit, man. Think about this. And if you're seated in heavenly places, there is no man, dead man processing going on in that place. Since I've got this, I've never repented of so many. Every time I have a thought, Lord, replace that with another thought. Replace it with another thought. This word anointed one, creo, means one. It's having contact with. Listen to this. And consider the example of Jesus, the anointed one. Now watch this word anointed. It means oneness, having contact with. Listen to this. It means covered with the oil or the scent of somebody. Beautiful picture of this would be the woman who anointed Jesus. Listen, I can't even drink a glass of water without spilling water on myself. I can't imagine messing with a pitcher of oil. The priests were anointed from head to toe, to the tips of their garment. There was a recipe that defined when they walked around that they were the priests of God, they were the sons of God. And here's what he's saying. If you'll consider that, You'll get a hold of that. You'll see that anointed place. And it's been set before you for a reason. Why? That word here, set before you, in the Greek, listen, means to be present, to be first, and to put his light upon. The example is when he's first, he said his mindset, you'll get the revelation will become your motivation. It's not rocket science. I just have to position myself where I actually ha have to begin to, to believe and agree and declare what truth says over me. I'm going to tell you something. If you're not doing this, declarations of inheritance verses over your life will be the greatest transformation you'll ever have in your life because life and death is in the tongue. They have the power to create. You mix that with truth you mix consideration and motivation. What you get is a person that has a mind like Christ and is living the style, lifestyle out. That's what it is. Our belief system has to be shaped by his belief system. And it always begins with us first, especially if you're going to walk out a journey in fullness. I was sitting in the living room a couple of days ago. So the Lord said to me, I was talking, I just, you know, 
I don't know how you spend time with the Lord, but sometimes I have questions, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I just sit there, but I was asking about renewing the mind. And he kind of speaks to me sometimes like I'm a hippie. I guess because of my drug culture, I don't know. But anyway, he said this to me, the renewing the mind is learning the ability to be able to hang out with and live in divine presence. Let me say it again. Renewing the mind is learning the ability to be able to hang out with and live in divine presence. I said this last week, but it's worth saying. If you're not heavenly minded, you really are no earthly good. We used to say that oh, he's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. That's a lie. The more heavenly minded you are, the more earthly good you become. And a huge part of the power of your faith is when it becomes mixed with the truth that is a mindset that you developed. You know that the battle of your faith mostly is a thought pattern, right? So if you mix time with the Holy Spirit, that equals intimacy. That's why Jesus said, if you want to experience the kingdom of God, you've got to be childlike. Because my kids growing up believed everything I told them. If I told Noah at six he could pet a grizzly bear and we were in the woods, he'd be running to a grizzly bear to pet the grizzly bear. <laughs> he trusted my intimacy. Think about it. If you had a healthy father or a healthy mom, if you are a healthy father or a healthy mom, your kids are going to gravitate. They're going to automatically believe what you say. Why? Because it's created from a place of intimacy and connection and sonship and daughtership. It's childlike in nature. You become to believe intimacy. Listen to Mark 10 and 15. Listen to the truth I speak. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. Whoever does not open their arms to receive the kingdom like a teachable child will never inherit it. He's given us a foundation to kingdom life. Isaiah, watch Isaiah in 26 and 3. You will, if you will guard, you will guard him and keep him in perfect. This is God talking to Isaiah. You will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace, whose mind, both his inclination and his character, is stayed on you because he commits himself to you, leans on you, and hopes confidently in you. That's quite a verse for an Old Testament revelation. So Jesus is calling us into this place. See, your design, the, uh, the, four, the four different aspects of your heart, your mind, your will, your emotions, your consciousness, are designed to all be brought in under the influence of the Spirit. God's not trying to get rid of them. Before you knew Jesus, you were empowered by the spirit of the world. Now you know Jesus, you're empowered by the spirit of God. And your spirit is actually seated in heavenly places. Now, I know it's hard to comprehend. What does that mean? Your spirit's here, your spirit's here. It does mean that. But here's what it means. It means there's a place in the cosmos of the kingdom that's open to you that wasn't open before. There's an access that you've been, you've been, grafted into, you, you've been designed now, you've, you've got the freedom now to move in and discover. And, and all we've got to do is position ourselves. Start guarding the affections of our heart. That's placement. 
Pay attention, Proverbs 24 and 3. The Passion Translation said, pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. In other words, that wellspring is your source, your outgoings, it's your boundaries. If you don't have spiritual boundaries, develop spiritual boundaries. The word renew, transform, means to change in nature, character, and condition. It's actually where we get our word convert. It's a transformation. And Paul's just given us this simple little thing. One of my favorite new scriptures is Ephesians 2 and 6. Let me read it from you from the mirror, and, and I'm about to close, so stay with me. Let me read you this first. I want you to hit, listen to this first. I, I, it may be up there, yeah. A couple things I want to underline. We are co-included in his resurrection. Let's stop there. That means it's finally settled. It's done already. This is actually a truth concerning John, John 19 and 30 when Jesus said it is finished. It's finally settled. You can't add to it. You can only live it out. It's talking about Philippians 2 and 5. Now you have the mind of Christ. Then he says we are co-elevated in his ascension to equally present in the throne room of the heavenly realm. That literally means Matthew 6 and 10 that we have the ability to live from heaven to earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in, anybody know the Lord's prayer? That's what he's talking about. It's a heavenly thought focused. Then he says where we are co-seated. Are you seeing all the co's, co's, co's? There's three of them just by coincidence. We are co-seated. This means equally in authority that he has placed in us to achieve his desires. This is actually John 14 and 12. Greater things than these shall you do. It's a manifestation of that truth. Okay? So we are co-seated with him in his executive authority. Think about that. Listen, your job now is to execute what sonship with God looks like. Oh, my gosh. This chair is nice and noisy, isn't it? It almost sounds like I'm doing something wrong, doesn't it? Yeah. We are fully represented in Christ Jesus. Now listen to the word in. The word in in the Greek is E-N. It's N. Here's what it means. You ready? A fixed position to give oneself wholly to a relation of rest. That little word. So how do we experience co-include it, co-elevate it, co-seed it? In. To give myself wholly to him. Talk about placement. We sing songs like, you can have it all, Lord, except this. The awakening right now that we're living in is God and the Holy Spirit is delivering some of the greatest revelation you'll ever hear, hear about sonship. And I remember when I first started preaching kingdom, it was years before anybody in my circle was preaching it. I remember how hard it was for me. It was like the Holy Spirit would say, okay, swallow, swallow, 
Swallow, it's okay. It's okay. You have to embrace truth. It's not about being taught, it's about what you catch. Now listen to this. Any truth that God and the Holy Spirit gives you that you don't obey robs you of its transformational power. Why did the old writer of the Old Testament say it's better to obey than to sacrifice? We know sacrifice is worship. Do you know why? The purity of worship comes from a place of obedience to the Spirit. And I can give you all kinds of scriptures to prove it. What you behold, you become. The worship you give right now, and I'm not, I'm not trying to offend you, I'm just trying to be loving and just giving you what the Holy Spirit's telling me to give you. The worship you represent right now when you come into a place of worship privately and corporately actually represents the revelation that you have of who he is in your heart. You ever watch Indians when they get together around a fire and they start beating a drum and they start dancing? I've been to Christian, you know, reservations and, and preached where I have saw these, these Indians get into worship. It's like, wow, that was the coolest thing I've ever saw. They worship at the same capacity they worship their false religion they worship even in a greater way in their new found newness in Christ. We come out of no shirts, paint it like idiots, football games, screaming at a hockey game, washing, going to concerts and, and lifting a lighter and swaying with everybody and doing that. Then we come into the church and we're like, I haven't preached on worship. I'm, it's coming. Once again, I'm not trying, in no way, I'm just telling you there's this awakening that the Holy Spirit's calling us into. And placement is determined on what you call valuable or worthy. And whatever you give placement to in your life is the power that'll transform your life in that area. Wouldn't you be disappointed if I said to you, you know, I got saved when I was a believer, but I believe I can get stoned all the time and be a Christian. And I could give you all kinds of theology. Hey, marijuana had to be in the garden to eat. God said, don't touch the, the tree of bad and evil. He didn't say nothing about grass. I could give you all kinds of unbiblical nonsense to allow something to coexist in my life. Now, if you smoke marijuana, you're probably feeling really convicted right now. And listen, if you smoke marijuana for health reasons, that, that you know, whatever, medical, that's up to you. But I'm just using that as an example. I was an addict. It's not good for me to participate in a lot of drugs. Any drugs.
But I'm just telling you that what happens on the inside is meant to transform us. And somehow we think we can get to the place we need to get to with the coexistence of the Holy Spirit here and something else here, level, and really walk in sonship. Listen, here's the thing. You already have your sonship. But truth concerning that sonship has to be embraced. Anybody can hear the voice of God. Actually, I'm going to be doing a Saturday workshop on hearing the voice of God this year. Anybody can hear the voice of God. Anybody. I can hear everything God's telling you. You can hear everything God's telling me. I'm not here and you're here. We're here. Anybody can be transformed. And the problem is we live with so many ungodly beliefs and lies that we've received and we're trying to allow those things to live with truth and it doesn't work. Your Christian ride is like this. Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees. The revelation he got from being transformed was, I know that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him. It changed his whole focus about life. He was no longer dependent on his religion. He wasn't even dependent on his business. He was no longer, he realized that in him, Paul penned that. We, we live, we move, we have our being or we exist. It means we continue to be. God is never cutting you off. He's never shutting down. He never loves you less. You are who you are, but you have a choice. People say, I don't know about that. Listen, if you call me, I can hang the phone up. Dan calls me, I can just, yeah, whatever, Dan. <laughs> Dan's like, that was rude. Don't think you don't have the ability to disengage. So I would ask you, how much have you grown over the last three years spiritually? What is your vision for 2024? You want to stay? Well, I'm just buying my time. Buying my time till the world goes to hell in a handbasket and we're all out of here. Yahoo, what a terrible perspective of life. Let me tell you this. Your gifts should be growing. Your talents should be growing. Your knowledge should be growing. Your sonship mentality should be growing. Your language should be shifting. Your, 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 your thought process should be shifting. Your focus should be shifting. There's never a moment in your life where God doesn't move you closer and closer and closer. As a matter of fact, when he placed the Holy Spirit in your life, it's his full intention to constantly show you new truth, to constantly show you what you look like with that truth, out and out and out, till you grow so big where all of a sudden, organically, you are living, talking, doing what Jesus would do, and people are drawn to what you have. We're scared to death. Talk to anybody in Walmart. Pray with anybody on the street. We have to have some sign from God. 
Usually if you want to be in healing ministry, good place to start is praying for everybody you run into that's sick. Do you want to be a soul winner? Good place to start is everybody that you run in that you feel don't know Jesus that you should share Jesus with. It's not rocket science. That is not my calling as the position I feel as pastor. That's my calling as a believer and a son of the living God. Just the way it is. Be a person of presence. We talk about a church of presence. Be a person of presence. You and I are, are the laborers. We're the laborers in the field. Jesus was talking about the laborers are few. Harvest is great. So what's happening? We are living in a thought process that has to be broken. They're called ungodly beliefs. You spiritualize them, but they're not really spiritualized. They're not even truth. I'm just too busy to pray. Too busy to spend time with God. Well, don't go to the gym. Go find a closet. Get your journal and spend some time with God. Shut off the TV. I'm not against any of those things. I'm just saying anybody can make time for Jesus. You get up at 7 o'clock to go to work, get up at 6, go to bed early an hour. Is this too much of a challenge? How dare you talk to us about getting close to Jesus? I get offended sometimes some of the things the Holy Spirit tells me. This one statement wraps, rocks my mind. Jesus said, I am not the God of confusion. I'm not the author. Anything that you hear, listen, confusion is one of the greatest attacks that we just go through because of our brains. It's not always demonic. It's just the way we think. It's, it's a stronghold that the mind can develop. Some of us live out of our consciousness, but some of us are living out of our subconscious. Hurts and wounds we've had in the past, we don't even realize. I, I've counseled people before, they're just angry. They just blow up and they pit of rage, a fit of rage, and they don't understand why. It's because something's happened to them in their, and they buried it so deep in their subconscious, they're actually living from that place still and don't even recognize it. It just has to be broken. And there's no power or special lights involved just a prayer. Let me walk you through a little bit of healing. Go ahead, stand on your feet. You okay? Yeah, all right. You know I love you, right? Even though you have a 10-year-old spiritual, I'm just joking. I feel like I have a 10-year-old spiritual brain. <clears throat> Listen to this verse, Philippians 4.13. In every situation, I am strong in the one who empowers me from within to be who I am. See that first line? Where does who you are meant to be come from? Within. Let me just say this. Your gifts, 
are not the greatest tool for empowering your identity. They're actually the benefit of your identity. They don't qualify you or disqualify you. If I wasn't preaching here, I'd be preaching somewhere. Because I, I was one of those weird preachers everybody drove by that stood on the corner and preached the gospel. That guy's nuts. That's where I started. I started reaching out to drug-related teens because I was one. One time. So, you can't live in the new, think in the old. But I want to walk you through. I just really felt compelled to do this. And, and let me get down here to where it's at. I want to leave you this one thought. It's just, the Lord has been saying stuff to me that's so shocking that it's hard to process it. I just want you to process it. He said, you realize that the sons and daughters of God are not vulnerable to the enemy at all unless they want to be. Let me just think about this thought now. I want you to think about this thought. Me and Bert talked about this all the time, about healing and what's going on on the planet. The word vulnerable means capable of being physically or emotionally wounded, open to attack or damage. So listen, God said, you're not really vulnerable to that. Well, pastor, it rains on the just and the unjust. It does, but that doesn't mean I have to stay there. There's a difference in being attacked and being taken over. Now listen, Romans 8, 2, 39, the Amplified says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Where? In Christ Jesus. The law of our new being has freed me from the law of sin and death. Now, let me tell you this. Everything that comes against the opposite of your sonship is from the fall of Adam, which is sin and death. You are freed from that. Let me tell you this. You may give up your last breath, but you will never die. As a matter of fact, there's some real outrageous scriptures like greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He's talking about the spirit of the cosmos that dwell, that we happen to live in, the fallen aspect of the world. And, I, and I, I'm telling you that because until we start shifting and allowing the Holy Spirit to give us the truth he's wanting to deliver. Because here's what happens to us. Anytime we hear something that goes against the grain of our core belief, it must be a cult. That can't be God. Why? Because that's not what I was taught. When you become unteachable, your growth in your identity will cease not from his end. It's never from his end. Transformation is a choice. It has to be embraced. So, I want to minister to you a little bit. And I want to deal with 
some ungodly beliefs, lies. Lies that you've received. Lies that have been spoken over you by somebody else, a spouse, a father, a mother, and, and you know, friends, the enemy. We're all living with lies. For you to say anything contrary, well, I could never, okay, stop, because Jesus says you can do all things. We are limiting ourselves in the fullness of sonship because we still have the mentality of the world that we lived in. And what if every battle and every trial you face is an opportunity to grow? Right? David said this, I, ch I have chosen to see the Lord in the land of the living. Here's what David's saying. A man who had a thought, a heart after God, which is cardia thought. He actually thought like God. David Whenever David began a situation, he always thought for the thought that God had about it, and he let that become his focus and perspective. I found David, has a, he thinks like me, has a heart after me, and he will fulfill all my will for his life. That's pretty powerful. And here's the thing, here's the greatest lie, listen, that we, that we receive. Listen, you have the ability to choose another thought and if anything tells you you can't, it's a lie, Stephen. My favorite movie, Nacho. It's a lie. I went for years saying, I can't change this thing. I'm just going to have to live with it the best I can. Almost 40 years of ministry, and I'm just now going into another phase of transformational renewal. And it's not because of your pastor. Simply because of positioning. Choosing to spend time with God. Get your journal out. Talk with God. So I'm going to walk you through this and I'll kind of explain it. So close your eyes, put your hand over your heart. It's so much better than me saying, put your hand over your brain, right? You don't want to keep standing with your hand on, hand on your head so your heart is cardia, all right? So we're going to start, and, and you're going to have to engage with the Holy Spirit here. If you don't engage, it's fine. You live with what you're living with. I don't know, okay? Now, I want you to repent. Now, remember, repentance is having another thought. I want you to repent. I say, Father, I repent for believing this lie about me. Now listen, that's, that's a wide range. But I, I, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to, Father, grip our hearts and minds. The things that have become so strong in our lives that lead us away from truth, from sonship and daughtership. Even the things you've, even the lies you've convinced yourself out of why you're not experiencing this and why this is not happening. Just get them on your mind and say, Father, I repent from believing these lies right now. You can even say under your breath or in your mind, I, I, I repent for believing the lie that I'm not accepted, that I'm not valuable, 
that I can't live for Jesus. I repent of the lie that I can't be free. I repent of the lie that I'm not called, that I don't have authority. Whatever it is, I repent of the lie I can't be healed. I can't be successful. I can't move on. Whatever it is. Maybe it's abusive lies. Just repent. Just take a moment. God, we break these ungodly beliefs right now. God, we repent of the lie that something or someone else can bring fullness to us other than you. That if we just had this or that, we'd be happy. We'd be fulfilled. come off we're not in a hurry just ask the Holy Spirit if I have any ungodly beliefs or lies I'm agreeing with point them to me Father I want another thought start feeling freedom in your heart. You're going to feel a lightness in your thinking, in your mind. Let's go into this next one. Say, Father, I forgive those who contributed to the lie or help me form this unbelief right now. Maybe an uncle, an aunt, a friend, father, stepdad, preacher, pastor, religion. Father, I forgive them right now. I release them. This is a big thing right now. Father, I just release them. They didn't know. I forgive them. Lord, I give up all judgment of those people. I will not judge them anymore. I release them from judgment.
Lord, now on the basis of your forgiveness, I choose to release myself. I choose to release myself from believing any lie that I've created right now. Somehow, I've allowed some untruth to come in. I repent of that right now. Say, so Father, I break my agreement with the power of any ungodly belief, any lie. I break it over my life. I cancel all agreements. And just tell them, say, Father, what truth do you want to give me to replace those things today? Father, and I pray over this group of people here, our, our, our community, Father, that as they leave today and as they go home, Holy Spirit, you're still going to be unpacking. You're still going to be unpacking. Just let us move. Let us reposition ourselves in a place of truth, freedom, and liberty. Let us develop a teachable spirit before you, Holy Spirit. Let us put you back in the position that you're supposed to have. The suitable place mind and heart and spirit. Father, your word says that the sons of God are led by the spirit of God. That's who we are. presently right now in an awakening not some manifested thing I'm doing you right now have positioned yourself in an awakening of areas of your thought process your heart process that have stunted your growth it's gone that's what an awakening is awakening is not something that's happening right here. awakening is right here we are in the greatest awakening the church has ever saw. Religion is going. I'm telling you right now, we're returning to the Acts Church. Sold out, 100%, holy in. Father, I bless your people. I thank you for them being here tonight. And I thank them, Father, for just not being in a hurry. Father, we don't want to rush your word. We don't want to rush worship here. We want a people that actually come and we realize this is our day to grow, to enjoy each other, to enjoy presence. I am so thankful. I ask you to bless them tonight. As they leave this house, bless them fully, physically, mentally, spiritually, financially. Meet the needs that they have. Do a work in them. Do a work in their lives and minds that changes them forever. We love you. 
We've got, we've got some altar people here tonight. I'm going to ask you to come up. Just go ahead and come up. In case you're here, in case you're here and you want somebody just to pray you through some other stuff, I know sometimes a short period like this, it's hard. But here's what I'm, I'm going to ask you to do. And, and if I have a journal on my phone. I don't know if anybody else journals on their phone. I also have journal journals that I write. I find if I write something, I remember it better. Get yourself a journal. Don't make your times with the Holy Spirit religious. Sometimes I talk. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I just get in the Spirit and say, hey, what's our time look like today? I never have music with words, ever. I have music, soaking music, but I never have music. I, I remove everything that's distracted from me. And I quiet myself down. And if you're hearing anything contrary to your identity, you're, hearing, you're listening to the wrong voice. Anything contrary to life and love and kindness and goodness and mercy, you're hearing the wrong voice. God never shows up and says, this is what you are. God shows up and says, oh, this is who you are. You're my beloved son, my daughter, whom I'm well pleased. You're perfect in my eyes. We'll get there in your eyes.